You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The following interview is from the Newscape archives and was recorded at FMR 101.3 FM in Cape Town. Pick Porter is known internationally as the world's longest-serving Minister of Foreign Affairs. He's also a political survivor who has served under political leaders as ideologically different as B.J. Forster and also Nelson Mandela. There's another side to him, of course, philosopher, amateur, geologist, poet, writer, proud father and also grandfather. And also there's a new side to him as well. There's a new book out. It's called Pick Porter and His Times. And the man himself is on the line now. Pick, thanks very much for speaking to us. I know you're at the airport, but what... What prompted you to agree to this book in the first place? It's been a while, hasn't it? Well, I did not agree. <laughs> not my book. It was written by that lady. Teresa Poppenfuss. and she's got her own um, publisher company. Yes. And uh, at first I was opposed to the idea because I have not finished my own autobiography. Yes. So she held interviews with me over a period of seven years. And she studied archives, and she has 200 pages of sources of newspapers and magazines across the world. So her, her historical data are quite correct. I'm not coming out of the book uh, only flying like an angel, because I wasn't one. <laughs> uh, I might as well accept that for some of the things I did wrong, I was not punished. So if I'm not to be punished for some of the things I did not do, so what? Uh, it levels it levels out, but um, she has received very good uh, reviews. Uh, one from the former editor of the Star, the very well-known uh, Johannesburg paper. Yes. Uh, from Peter Sullivan, who said history owes her a favour, and Professor Vickers, former Chancellor, I think, or Principal of UNISA. The, the University of South Africa, he also said that uh, historically it is a, a quite a book, not because of me, forget me, I'm gone, I'm old, uh, but she uh, does handle the history. She reflects the history of South Africa in the difficult years of the 60s, 70s and 80s uh, quite uh, correctly. And you find nowadays, I see it, with quite a number of even overseas television stations and radio broadcasters, they, they have a good idea of what happened here since 1994, since uh, the new government came into power. Yes. But somehow, events before that, the 30 years before 1994, people seem to be ignorant, seem not to know what really happened, you know, and, and how did it happen? Uh, and so on, and you now find quite a lot of uh, 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 editors or newspapers, uh, st television stations, radio stations, very, very interested in that period and wanting to know from us, why did we do it? Why did we hand over power and things like that? And uh, it's just as well that, that one talks with them because... You see, what happened eventually was that the National Party, uh, or uh, a substantial number of us, saw clearly that we could not, we could not carry on with uh, the reprehensible policies of apartheid. Yes, it was against the Christian faith, 
uh, uh, it had to go. It could not be transformed. It had to be eradicated completely. Otherwise, this country would have been plunged into bloodshed and conflict and destruction. And Mr. Mandela saw the same. He saw that violence will not resolve any of our country's problems and that we need each other. And this is, this I think is eventually the message of the book. Black and white, brown and Asian, we need each other to succeed. And if only we could return to that spirit of, of 1990, 1994, where we trusted each other. We in the National Party and the ANC, we trusted each other. We got to know each other. And we did establish a new uh, constitution for all South Africans based on the legacies of Mr. Mandela. Namely, uh, he said he cherished the ideal of a democratic and free South Africa where all persons live in harmony uh, and with equal opportunities. And that is it. This is where we are. We need to, I think we need to return to that situation that prevailed and that induced us and persuaded us to bring about a new constitution which guaranteed for all our people. It says South Africa belongs to all our people. There isn't just one group that can claim that it has a greater right. Of course, there ought to be, uh, uh, what shall I say, compensation for the previously disadvantaged. But then that will require the massive training and education and good health services and skills, proficiencies in the various um, skills that the economy and the technology require. And that is lacking behind. That is lacking behind completely. Very little is done about it. The educational system is not up to standard. <clears throat> and our health services are really not as they used to be. So yeah. there we are. There's a challenge. We, we must return to 94 and, and, and recognize and admit to one another we need each other. Yes, you talk a lot about the legacy of Mr. Mandela. I mean, I remember when I met him, and I, it was quite a moving experience for me, and apart from the fact that he was much taller than I expected, he had this aura about him. But it seems to me that the leaders of today do not have that presence. Would it be useful for the current leaders to maybe study a little bit more about the 60s, 70s and 80s in order to understand how we should move forward in South Africa? I mean, what do you think when you see people like Julius Malema, for example, shooting his mouth off and talking really, in my opinion anyway, without thinking? Do you shake your head and you look at Mandela and you look at Malema and think, what have we come to? Yes, well, you see, uh, that is a situation that freedom of expression allow uh, Mr. Mr. Balema is allowed to to talk publicly. If that is uh, his uh, sentiments, if those are his views, uh, he has the democratic right to express them. Uh, but then the ANC has the democratic right to repudiate him, and uh, maybe they will. Uh, maybe they will do so. But we, who are not part of the ANC, we should recognize that there's also a duty on us to bring in civil society and to help our people, to help combat crime, to combat poverty, to try and help create jobs for our people. Your brown people of the Cape in particular, 
are very poor today. They're not well off. And they, they seek employment and, 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 and good jobs. And we must pay greater attention to that. I do not think that... Um, that Mr. I think Mr. Malema made a big mistake by attacking uh, President uh, Ian Kramer of Botswana. Yes. I think that is overstepping the margin. But again, it's not for me. You know, uh, I can't sit in judgment of that. That is for the ANC. It is their league. And, and they must try to bring the members of that league in line with what they told us. After all, President Zuma tells us that he, he stands for, um, what shall I say, employment, creation of employment, job creation. He stands for a proper education system, better health system. He says that he, the country do need white farmers to assist the black farmers. Uh, they, uh, his sentiments as expressed are quite in order, and I can support it. It is just a pity that it's not implemented. Yeah, I do think that as an elder statesman of South African politics and as a, a proud South African, your voice should be heard a little bit more, Pick. But anyway, the book you say, uh, which we're talking about, Pick Porter and His Times, it's called, and you say, if I had authorised this book, half of it would not have appeared. That's the first thing. <laughs> Does that mean that uh, half of the pictures wouldn't appear or half of the things that have said? I mean, I looked at it in exclusive books the other day, and it was quite daunting because it's a huge volume. Is it the first print. Uh, has been sold out, to my surprise. I don't know why people should buy a book like Unpek Buerta. Who was Pek Buerta after all? Well, uh, you're being modest. Uh, of course, we know why they'd buy it, because you're a South African political icon. But, I mean, your autobiography, when's that coming out? Well, the point is that uh, life has been good to me. I have seen and traveled the world. I've uh, been faced with uh, world political currents, uh, all over Africa's problems, uh, and so on. We resolved the Rhodesian issue without a major war, and so Mozambique and so Angola. Uh, 50,000 Cubans left, and Namibia became independent in a peaceful manner, in a democratic and peaceful manner. If that wasn't the case, the effect would have spilled over to South Africa, and we again would have been we would have had to face a large-scale conflict. We were saved that. We didn't get to it. it. What sank us was apartheid. But thank heavens we saw in good time, just in time, that that system could not simply be perpetuated. It was going to destroy us. Yes, it was. And what might destroy us today, unfortunately, is the knee-jerk reaction to the previous decades, I think, anyway, too much of a reaction to it. And I think the scourge of South Africa now is unemployment. I mean, the ranks of the unemployed yes. are, are disaffected and dislocated from normal society. And I just wonder when, you know, imagine if the gold price and the platinum price weren't as high as they were, where this country would be. We're very lucky to have um, the economy being supported by high international commodity prices. I just wonder what might happen if they fall, which eventually they do. We know that they will do. What will South Africa fall back on? It's certainly not the policies of the ruling government, I don't think. No, no. You, you, you will still require a relatively strong manufacturing industry because um, luckily we have resources, natural resources, which will be and will remain in demand, in my opinion. And uh, our banks are of, of a different class than the American banks, I can tell you. Yes. Uh, and, and comply with much higher standards. 
and um, we might also have a lower economic growth rate. But by and large, I think South Africans who left our country are going to return as, as, as your major European countries are facing far greater problems today. Uh, even Australia and countries like that, Canada, and will soon, in my opinion, start facing this uh, economic recession threat uh, which the Americans have brought over us. Yes, indeed. I agree with you 100%. I think the Americans are throwing good money after bad, and they are the major cause of our problems. But anyway, that's another story. That's for a business show. Pick, thank, yes. you, thank you so much for your time. I know you're at the airport. Are you flying back to uh, Johannesburg? Yes. I didn't know this airport now. I, I got lost completely. <laughs> and this was the airport where I landed for more than uh, 25 years of my life. Uh, quite regularly, it is... Uh, it's a strange place. It's totally changed. Totally, totally. It's extraordinary. I think they did that, did that for the World Cup, which, of course, was yes. a great success, and hopefully it'll be utilised to good effect in the future. Have a safe flight, sir, and thanks very much for your time, and good luck with the autobiography. I'll look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.